Yes. I'm mad, too. I'm really mad, man. Miami just lost to Middle Tennessee State. But anyone completely giving up on a coaching staff four games in? Some of y'all have lost your minds. You are Locked on Canes, your daily podcast on the Miami Hurricanes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Alex Dono, your host. I'm a University of Miami alumnus, longtime South Florida sports radio vet and contributor to allhurricanes.com. And thank you so much in the good times and the bad times for making Locked on Canes your first listen today. We are available free wherever you get your podcasts and available free on YouTube. I'd like to thank LinkedIn Jobs for being the official college football recruiting sponsor across the Locked on College Network. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college. Terms and conditions apply. Yeah, the fallout continues from Miami's inexcusable 41 to 30, 45 to 31 loss. My brain is still fried from that game to Middle Tennessee. And I just want to make something very, very clear. I'm not making excuses for it, but that doesn't mean we can't have perspective okay because I see some folks out there um already proclaiming or at least trying to proclaim Cristobal to be a bust a lot of people are already firing the offensive coordinator who I admit doesn't seem to be doing a very good job and already talking about all this money that Miami spent on coaches and how nothing's working I think we all need to exhale just Take a deep breath and just have a little bit of perspective on this issue, okay? Now, I'm not saying Mario Cristobal is or will ever be Nick Saban. I would never say that. But you do remember that even Nick Saban's Alabama lost to Louisiana Monroe in his first season there. Even Nick Saban didn't have a magic wand to wave over Tuscaloosa and make the Crimson Tide immediately national champions his first year when he took over for Mike Shula, okay? Uh, So right now, I do believe that for as inexcusable as that loss was on Saturday against Middle Tennessee, some of the knee-jerk reactions are, they're driving me crazy, right? I mean, you know, I, I know that, Miami fans, I guess, are accustomed to the idea because you know they, they've had so many poor coaches and unsuccessful coaches over the years that when you know things started to go poorly for the Randy Shannons and the Al Goldens and the Manny Diaz's of the world, just the knee-jerk reaction a lot of people have is, oh, you know, it's not working. We got the wrong coach. We got to move on and find the next guy. So I do believe that right now Mario Cristobal is being judged too harshly, not by all of you, but by some of you. Because so many people, myself included, maybe I was part of the problem here, raised the expectations too high for his first season in charge. And again, I'm not trying to make excuses. I know some of you are going to see it this way. It's inevitable because anytime I try to defend anybody after, you know, 45 to 31 loss to a program some of you hadn't even heard of, um, you know, I'm going to be accused of making excuses there really are no excuses after losing to the blue raiders of middle tennessee i'm just trying to be rational about the situation so let's talk about it instead of me talking about the problems 
let's discuss it and let's find solutions here. I know the coaching hasn't been perfect, not even close. If the coaching was perfect, you don't lose to Middle Tennessee at home. You don't allow a Conference USA quarterback to throw for over 400 yards and cook your secondary. You don't turn the ball over three times in the first quarter if your coaching is perfect. But these coaches do deserve time, and I believe they deserve our patience to find answers to their problems. There are problems. You pay coaches to find solutions. That's why they're here. Why can't any wide receivers step up and make plays consistently? Why can't a quarterback who looked like a Heisman candidate for six games last year hit an open receiver this year? And why can't he stop staring his receivers down? Why is the defense so undisciplined at times? Uh, I'll start here. Many, if not most of these problems, unfortunately, were inherited from previous coaches. Poor instruction, subpar recruiting. Now, obviously, it's your new coach's job to break those habits, right? So you can call that a failure, right? Not being successful enough in breaking bad habits to the point where you can beat a team at home that you are far better than and more talented than on paper. That does go on coaching, but it also does go on talent, okay? I think right now we are learning that no matter how much money you pay for a coaching staff, unfortunately, they can't fix everything immediately, same way Nick Saban couldn't wave a magic wand over Tuscaloosa, Mario Cristobal apparently can't wave a magic wand over Coral Gables right now. Now, like many of you, um, if I'm going to look at what I'm most concerned about coaching-wise, um, it's definitely the offense and the offensive play calling. I mean, you'll start with the play calling, very vanilla, conservative, predictable. These Big Ten game plans – don't work the same way outside of the Big Ten, especially if you have an ACC roster trying to play a Big Ten style and you have a quarterback that clearly doesn't look comfortable in it, okay? And I have felt at times, this was one of my big takeaways from the Texas A&M game, and it carried over into that Middle Tennessee game. I have felt on a lot of these offensive drives that Josh Gaddis, Miami's offensive coordinator, has been calling games in a way that suggests he doesn't trust his quarterback. That's the way he's calling games. Now, is that just Gaddis's personality, or is he calling games that way because he literally hasn't trusted his quarterback? And if that's the case, if you don't trust your quarterback, then you might as well switch quarterbacks. Give Jake Garcia the job. Why would you stick with a quarterback that you clearly don't trust to run your offense? And I want to encourage everybody who's listening to this episode and watching this episode right now, if you haven't, Check out our Sunday episode as well, which was more immediate reaction from the Middle Tennessee game. And we talked a lot about the quarterback controversy. This episode is kind of like a part two. And yesterday's episode was part one. So there's a lot more. Uh, we dive into this on Sunday's episode. We're kind of taking it to the next level here on Monday. Um, and so, okay, when Tyler Van Dyke was benched midway through the third quarter, Jake Garcia came in. Garcia was definitely more aggressive and decisive throwing the football and the play calling was also more aggressive when he came in now perhaps Gaddis only opened things up a little bit more out of desperation right because Miami was down 21 points when Garcia came in you clearly needed a spark but I do feel that Jake Garcia looks sharper he looks more decisive and he looks more confident right now than Tyler Van Dyke Tyler Van Dyke has looked bored and confused under center and that's not a good thing for someone who had 
Heisman hype and first round draft hype coming into the season. Now, when you talk about the coaching and finding solutions to these problems, and we've only scratched the surface of the problems, obviously, because we haven't even gotten to the defense yet. Okay. You know, I have no doubt that these players are being taught well. And that's one of the reasons why I'm not hitting the panic button like some of you are. Some of you just say, hey, Mario just lost two games back to back. Gaddis can't call plays. We're screwed. We're never going to be good again. We're cursed. I have no doubt these players are being instructed and taught well. You've got Charlie Strong coaching your linebackers. I've spoken with former players who played for Coach Strong, including Channing Crowder, former Gators linebacker. Everyone raves about his teaching, okay? And I know Corey Flagg didn't have a good game whatsoever against Middle Tennessee, but first three games, I think you saw how well a guy like Flagg has been coached up. Frank Ponce gets reviews like that as a quarterback's coach. Kevin Smith gets rave reviews as a running back's coach. Jamila Dye coaching DBs. Joe Salavea on the D-line. Alex Mirabal coaching the offensive line. The list goes on and on and on of how many great teachers Miami has on their staff. And okay, one that I didn't use there as an example. Right now, the fan base has a really sour taste in their mouth with Josh Gaddis, who's the offensive coordinator and also the wide receivers coach. Right. I mean, you know, there are plenty of excuses injury wise at wide receiver, but you look at the receiving core has been a problem and the play calling has looked like a problem. So, listen, perhaps Josh Gaddis being the wide receivers coach, in addition to being the OC, just isn't working. I think we'll have to wait and see on that. And yes, Miami seems to require tweaks on how they call plays, especially in the red zone. Here's a stat for you. It's going to make you vomit in your mouth a little bit. The Miami Hurricanes have failed to score touchdowns in eight out of their last 11 red zone trips. I mean, that's that's the stuff that nightmares are made of. Eight of their last red zone trips have ended without touchdowns. That's obviously on Josh Gaddis. It's also on the multiple offensive analysts on Miami staff that have to come up for with solutions for those problems. And guys, when you've got a coaching staff as big and as qualified as Miami's, you certainly have to hope that they come up with something good during the bye week, okay? Obviously, that's on the players as well because the players need to make sure they don't mentally check out after a tough loss and they, they don't mentally check out during the bye week. Um, and listen, I Miami was not where they needed to be mentally in this middle, middle Tennessee game. You know, when players spoke afterwards, Jalen Rivers from the offensive line was on 560 WQM with John Bailey Jr., with Don Bailey, Jack, call him John. He was on, Jalen was on with Don Bailey Jr. And he admitted Miami didn't give Middle Tennessee enough respect. Quote, we just came into the game like, oh, we're going to win. And you see what happened, Jalen Rivers said. I know we talked a lot about teachable moments, but if that's not a teachable moment, I don't know what is. I said it on the show on Sunday. I tweeted it on Saturday night that, Miami's players just showed up at Hard Rock Stadium and they thought a win was just going to be given to them for free by the football gods because we're Miami. We've got blue chippers on our team. They don't. It's Middle Tennessee. We're just going to beat them up. You take an opponent for granted. I mean, look what happened to Notre Dame against Marshall. Uh, you know, look what happened to Texas A&M against Appalachian State. You take an opponent for granted. Anyone in college football, anyone in college football can make you pay for that. Miami was made to pay for that, okay? So we're going to talk about 
defensive backs, very, very poor. Uh, the pass rush, which actually wasn't so poor. I want to read some of you guys' comments as well. And, okay, I want to discuss what Mario Cristobal had to say about Miami's quarterback situation. And, again, what these coaches have to do to get these guys motivated, keep these guys together, keep them on the same page, because I know everybody's really, really down right now. Um, all of Miami's goals are still in front of them. So for as downtrodden as things may feel after losing a tough one in College Station and then losing a, a horror show at home against a team that had no business beating you, you can't let this linger. Like, you can't let this tear you apart. You need this to bring you together. That's what Miami is looking to do right now. So, folks, keep it locked right here to Locked on Canes because, man, Miami never gives us a shortage of things to talk about, right? Neither does LinkedIn Jobs. Guys, I've been on the other side of it as an employee. I have found work on LinkedIn Jobs before. And if you're a small business owner, you need to take notice of this because these days, Every new potential hire can feel like a high stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. You add your job on LinkedIn Jobs and the purple hiring hashtag frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring. People will notice it, believe me. Then simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. So post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. That's linkedin.com slash college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Thank you so much for making Locked on Canes your first listen today, even on a crying towel Monday. We are available free wherever you get your podcasts and available free on YouTube. And Hey, make sure you guys are hitting us up on social media, uh, our show Twitter account at Locked on Canes. If you follow us there, we will follow you back and tweet us comments, complaints, thoughts. We've been getting a lot of trash talk from Florida State fans recently. That's been interesting. <laughs> if you follow us at Locked on Canes, we will follow you back. And as you can imagine, uh, social media has been been pretty active this week. Uh, so have our YouTube comments, okay? But let's talk a little bit about the defense, then I want to read some of your comments and tweets. So another big problem um, on Saturday, which was shocking to me, given how well they played against Texas A&M, Miami's defensive backs in this Middle Tennessee game, they didn't just get burned, they got baptized. MTSU hit passing plays of 65, 68, 71, and 98 yards in this game. Miami played man coverage and they let those receivers, Chisholm especially, who's blazing fast, but only five foot seven. So I guess you can understand why a guy like Chisholm wound up at, at Middle Tennessee because, you know, if he was like 5'10, 5'11, probably could have landed in like any power five team, but only five foot seven. The guy didn't recruit, get recruited the same way. But I mean, he he embarrassed Miami. Uh, he got behind Miami's secondary repeatedly. They were just getting whooped. 
Um, you know, Miami's pass rush was okay. They actually graded out pretty well. I mean, pass rush is interesting in a game like that because uh, you're going up against an offense that just gets rid of the football almost immediately. But Miami still got some pressure. The tackling, though, tackling regressed again. The defensive back play outside of Cam Kinchins was horrific. And, man, even James Williams. James Williams got embarrassed in that game. He got run over by a running back. Just didn't look like he had the effort he needed. Let's do some Q&A. I mean, I say Q&A, it's like also CMA. It's like questions and answers, comments and answers from you guys. Um, as you can imagine, our our Locked on Canes YouTube comments have just been going wild the last couple of days. Uh, but I love this. Gideon, Gideon wrote to us on YouTube. He says, hey, man, getting over this hangover. I call it a hurricane migraine, he says. But it looks like my Canes are going to take a bit longer to click than expected, he says. The training hasn't drained into those brains and veins just yet. You're, you're like a poet, Gideon. He says, knowing coach, he is adamant about competition, about one team, one direction. In that respect, this version of the Canes reminds me of that horse Seabiscuit and his jockey, both super talented but pulling in opposite directions until the training sunk in. We're seeing a lot of that. Um, a lot of growing pains. A lot of growing pains. I mean, against Texas A&M, you had mental growing pains. Muffed punt, poor execution in the red zone, very poor on special teams. Uh, but physically, Miami was there in the Texas A&M game. But then they let it completely rot mentally uh, between Texas A&M and Middle Tennessee. And, and that, to me, is an attitude adjustment, right? And it's everybody. It's coaches needing to motivate players, players needing to motivate themselves. Uh, I'm not the type of guy who just automatically puts everything on coaching. I'm not. And, like, again, you know, when, when my – I know everybody's questioning Gaddis. I get it. But when you've got, you know, proven motivators like Cristobal, like Charlie Strong, like Kevin Steele, like Frank Ponce and Alex Mirabal on the staff, um, it's like at some point you've got motivational people with great histories of getting the most out of players. Um, yeah, if they can't get it out of these players, obviously you have to put some of the spotlight on these coaches, but you have to put a lot of the spotlight on these players because they need to be active participants in this as well. Right. Coaching again, it's not like waving a magic wand. So I I appreciate Gideon's sentiment, right, that not only uh, are these coaches trying to and maybe they're not succeeding right now, but they're trying to coach and teach winning habits on the practice field. Uh, and those winning habits need to be built and translated on the field. They're not translating right now. But then at the same time. I also understand it's four games for a brand new staff and, you know, you don't really have any recruits from this staff actually on the field, save for a couple of true freshmen who are getting playing time and transfer portal guys. Definitely. I mean, the transfer portal guys, some of them should be having a bigger impact than they're having right now. But uh, I love, I love that comp that, uh, that uh, comment from Gideon. I think you have the right attitude. Uh, Bubba Thompson writes in, he says, I tried to tell y'all we're not ready for prime time. He says, TVD is an eight to nine game wonder. He says, nobody wanted to listen. Talent is not there yet. It will take a few years, he says. Keeping on with your talk is detrimental to progression of the team. It is obvious people need to support our coach or keep your mouth shut. Don't be doing nothing, dumbasses, he says. Let coach do his job. Keep your mouth and opinions to yourself. 
<laughs> now, I don't think he's talking to me when he says keep your mouth shut because I do this for a living. If I keep my mouth shut, I'm not putting food on the table. So I'm going I'm to keep talking. I think he's talking to some of you that are looking to like fire coaches or, or give up on Cristobal at this point. Uh, Adrian writes, Garcia for the system. This is not for Tyler Van Dyke. I want to talk more about that on the other side, about the quarterback situation and how right now Mario Cristobal not really tipping his hand to what he's going to do or not going to do at the quarterback position. So keep it locked right here to Locked on Canes. Thank you so much for making Locked on Canes your first listen today. We're available free, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Odyssey, wherever you get your pods, and available free on YouTube, part of the awesome Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. So I want to read some more comments, and then I want to talk about what Mario uh, had to say about leadership in the locker room and what he had to say about Tyler Van Dyke and Jake Garcia. Um, Crypto Tony, who is an Oregon fan, writes to us, Thanks for taking Cristobal off our hands. Good recruiter, but this is what Cristobal does. I was like, okay, the thing about that is uh, most of the Oregon fans admit he's a good recruiter. They all trash talk Mario as a game day coach. I hear this all the time. So it's like, okay, even if you admit he's a good recruiter, we haven't even cycled in really a full class yet, right? Because, you know, he took over late in the process for the class of 2022. So honestly, like, I compare Mario Cristobal a lot to, you know, Butch Davis when he was in his coaching prime. Because people forget, there, everyone questioned Butch Davis as like a game day decision maker. But he kicked freaking butt in the recruiting trail. And he ended up building through the recruiting trail the most talented college football team of all time. 2001 Canes, that was all his guys. That was all guys that Butch Davis recruited. So, I mean, listen... You can say what you want to. Amario, does he does he burn his timeouts all wrong? You know, this and that. Did, did he wait too long to make the quarterback change? You know, all this stuff you can question about the game day coaching. But it's like, okay, everyone admits he's a good recruiter. And, like, we're not even seeing the fruits of that yet. Okay? So, but in the meantime, the Oregon fans are all talking their trash. The Michigan fans are showing up in our comments talking about just how terrible Josh Gaddis is. So, it's like, I, I want to keep some perspective on this. Uh, Jose Carlos says we need big time positive energy from on this team. Jake Garcia has it and Tyler does not win or lose. Garcia is the future. Tyler will be gone after this year, he says. Uh, I do think uh, and, you know, I don't know if this is going to happen or not. As far as Jake Garcia being named the starter, um, I'm really 50-50 on it. I don't know what way Mario is going to, you know, in fact, I might even be 55-45 that they're going to stick with Tyler for now and not make the switch before North Carolina. But if they do make the switch from TVD to Jake and they name Jake the guy, this is Garcia's team, then yes, I would fully expect Tyler Van Dyke to transfer. I would. Um, and it's kind of crazy because um, I was having some conversations, uh, not with Tyler himself. I never spoken with Tyler off the record before. I've only, you know, interviewed him in, in press areas, but I, I've spoken to some people who are, you know, talent uh, evaluators and, and people who have connections with other college programs. You might actually be surprised at how, you know, for as poor as he's playing right now. Some other schools would be pretty hot to pick up Tyler in the transfer portal if he were to hit it. In fact, 
there's a, a national championship contending team that may actually be interested in Tyler if he did become available. So despite the fact that he's struggling mightily right now at Miami, there are certain schools that run certain offenses that look at Van Dyke and say uh, he still has the arm strength, the characteristics that we would be perfect in our offense if he's not that in Miami's offense. So uh, you might, because everyone always with Tyler Van Dyke, if he were to hit the portal, everyone's like, oh, he'll just go to SMU and play for Lashley. And I'm sure he could, but you would be surprised at a big program he could land in if he did become available. I would just leave it at that, okay? Uh, oh, the Florida State fans are, are trolling us. But listen, man, they're 4-0. They're ranked now. Miami's not. Miami's two and two unranked. Florida State fan that goes by Semin Old School. Semin Old School. He writes to me. I gotta be real and pay my respects. Miami kept that game a lot closer than I expected them to. Do you know why it hurts? Because I have no ammunition to come back at that. Like, what do, what do I have? You know, Seminoles are going to lose some games this year. I have no doubt, but yeah, right, right now, right now, they're they're the best team in Florida, right? The Seminoles are the best team in the state. Uh, Mike Williams writes to us about the Middle Tennessee game. He says, "Program destroying loss. Miami will not recover from this." Well, Mike, <laughs> that's one of the great overreactions I've ever seen. Like. <laughs> Were, were people saying that when, when Saban in 07 lost to Louisiana Monroe? Were, were Alabama fans being like, program destroyer, we will never come back from this? And then what have they won? Six national titles since then? Um, you might want to pump the brakes on that one, bro. That was not a program destroying. At least I hope it wasn't, right? Mario, Mario, if you're watching this, if you're listening to this, Mario, please prove us wrong that that was not, as Mike Williams would say, a program destroying loss. But thank you for the comments. Um, now, a couple of things to remember on an injury front, okay? Uh, the Hurricanes will be, for at least another month, probably another four to six weeks, are going to be without Xavier Restrepo and Jacoby George. Um, on the receiving court, I was I was encouraged. You know, a game of not too many positives to take from that Middle Tennessee game. I was encouraged by Frank Ladson on Saturday. Six catches, 65 yards was targeted on a throw that drew a pass interference penalty. Uh, you know, we can remember uh, it took Charleston Rambo a handful of games to get going last year. So maybe Ladson can follow a similar track to that of Rambo last season. Uh, I was encouraged by Keyshawn Smith. He was Miami's best player on Saturday. Four catches, 81 yards, got the deep grab, 39 yards from Garcia, scored a touchdown on a kick return. Keyshawn Smith was not his fault. Miami lost that game. And, you know, Honestly, Keyshawn Smith, really, he's really a guy that Miami should lean on as a receiver. I mean, he started all 12 games last year. He's Miami's most experienced receiver. Um, you know, we really need him to stay consistent when the conference play begins because it's all ACC from here on out. Uh, here's what Mario Cristobal had to say after the game Saturday when he was asked about Garcia and Van Dyke. Now, if they are thinking about making like a switch to start games, no hint to it whatsoever. Like Cristobal is keeping that very close to the vest as he probably should. So here's what he said about Garcia. He provided some big plays, threw the ball well, created some opportunities for us. Um, when asked about Van Dyke, he went out of his way not to criticize TVD. He says he's a great competitor and a great player. I'm not going to throw him under the bus. 
as a coach, if you're worth an ounce of integrity, you don't put it on your players. And real talk, I love hearing Cristobal say that. I, I love the fact that he's not trying to blame, you know, players when it's everybody on down, right? From coaches on to players. He says, I know we have a long way to go. I knew that upon arrival. The progress we'd made in some respects, I feel like we certainly regressed. We've got to do a better job. Yeah, because I thought they they had made great progress on the offensive line and at defensive back and in tackling. And all of those things were just flushed down the toilet against Middle Tennessee. Like, I, I don't know how you go from one game, you rush, you know, because the offensive line, and I, listen, I know Zion Nelson didn't play, but, you know, didn't play the first game and a lot of the second game either. Uh, how do you go from 175 team rushing yards at Texas A&M to 60 team rushing yards at home against Middle Tennessee? And I know Miami had some running backs hurt. Still wasn't good enough, right? And I'm hoping after the bye week, the bye week's going to be long enough to get Henry Parrish back. He was dropped on his head, uh, and Jalen Knighton got banged up as well against Middle Tennessee. Um, you know, I like Thad Franklin a lot, but I don't want a one-man backfield, right? I want I want these guys to all come back healthy okay and yeah we need to see um i hope everybody's mad i hope everybody in that locker room i hope everybody on that coaching staff is pissed miami's got a huge staff okay loaded assistant coaches they're maxed out on assistant coaches they're maxed out on analysts okay there's a lot of cooks in the kitchen and i hope that some of these cooks can come up with solutions schematically to get miami's offense humming better and then I also hope the players have enough accountability and enough self-awareness to check their egos, never, ever show up to a game just expecting to win ever again. And listen, now no more room for error, conference play, right? You can talk about, oh, we lost a couple of non-conference games, whatever. All of our goals are still in front of us. Play like that. Forget about yesterday. Let's focus on tomorrow. Thank you guys for making Locked on Canes your first listen today. Make sure you make Locked on ACC your second listen. Candace Cooper and the local experts take you around the conference in 30 minutes or less. Uh, thank you for making us your first listen. We will talk to you again tomorrow, and we're going to have a lot of coaches' quotes to break down on another episode of Locked on Canes, part of the awesome Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day.